0: A Black Executive Perspective.
1: Whether you're aware of it or not, it's a topic that is often avoided.
0: We'll discuss race and how it plays a factor and how we didn't even talk about this topic
2: because we were afraid. A Black Executive Perspective. That's where I struggle. Like, I don't know, like, how am I, how am I supposed to navigate this without diminishing her, without calling attention to her in a negative way, but resolving the issue? and hopefully making some progress so that there's a lesson learned here. Welcome
0: to a black executive perspective podcast, a safe space where we discuss all matters related to race, especially race in corporate America. I'm your host, Tony tidbit in July 12, 1967, the U S Supreme court unanimously interracial marriage legal in the United States. Prior to the ruling interracial marriage was still against the law in 16 states, if you believe that or not. Only 1% of newlyweds were interracial couples at that time. Today, almost 20% of all newlyweds differ from one another when it comes to race or ethnicity. Today, 94% of Americans approve of interracial marriage versus 3% in the 1960s. Although we've made tremendous strides in marriage, have the same strides been made in couples navigating and discussing their differences regarding race in their marriage? Brian Stern, welcome to a Black Executive Perspective Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Buddy, we're so glad that you came. This is awesome. This is a very, um, I don't want to say unique topic, but it is a topic that is very important. You know, especially based on where we were in 1967, where 16 states it was illegal to uh, for interracial marriage in that state. And as I talked about, three percent at that time approved of interracial marriage. Now, 94 percent, 20 percent of all newlyweds of new of newlyweds are now interracial couples. So we've made tremendous strides from an external standpoint. However, and you're here to help us navigate in terms of internally. Um, you know, how the couples uh, work together in terms of communicating about their racial differences. So exactly. I'm very excited for you to be here for us to, to dive into this. But before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Where do you live at?
2: Sure. So uh, I'm a career ownership coach. Um, I help people that are primarily in career transition, maybe looking for something a little bit different. Um, I do specialize in helping people navigate the world of entering entrepreneurship. Um, and this is a recent change for me, but I'm, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Uh, I do live down on the uh, the Jersey Shore uh, with my wife, as you mentioned, uh, in an interracial marriage. And I do have a daughter, uh, 12 years old, um, that uh, we share a lovely home with. So in all
0: transparency, uh, Brian and I have known each other for 23 years, and we met in the advertising industry. And uh, you've thus have made a transition over to you know uh, coaching future entrepreneurs. So what made you, you know, want to make that change in your life at this time frame?
2: I think a lot of it was uh, getting to a point in my career where I realized that I was turning 50 years old and still didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, and because of that, I actually went and got a coach myself. And in figuring out what I wanted to do, I actually just enjoyed the process of the figuring out piece. So instead of moving on to something else, I actually asked my coach, can I just do what you do? I love helping people figure out what they want to do because I've enjoyed the process myself so much. And that's how I fell into it. And I've, well, I've loved that is it. awesome, man. And, and so dovetailing on
0: that, tell us a little bit about why you wanted to appear on this podcast and talk about this subject.
2: Yeah. So uh, I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm a loyal listener and I, and the thought of being on the podcast was actually kind of intimidating um, I just listening to the, the ex, the, like the expertise, the credentials of the people you've had on. And I'm just a middle-aged white guy from New Jersey, you know? So, um, it is a little bit intimidating, but I, I have to say, like, I've, I've gotten so much value out of listening and I love the mantra, making uncomfortable conversations comfortable because there's a conversation I've wanted to have for over 15 years and I've tried to have it. And I've just not been successful. I've stumbled through it a couple of times. It's just you know, something that I've struggled with. And knowing that you've created this safe space, um, I'm here for ulterior motives. I'm here to learn how to have this conversation. I'm here to get your perspective on how to have this conversation about being in an interracial relationship and how to navigate it and, and the issues that we face. I know what the issues are. And I have a perspective on it. I can't say that I'm an expert. Can't say I have not figured out. That's why I wanted to be here to talk about wow, it. That's awesome. My out, you know, yeah, I mean, me look, judgment.
0: that is awesome. And I got to say this to you too, right? I mean, number one, I'm, you know, I'm glad that you are a loyal listener to a Black Executive Perspective podcast. That is great. I'm glad you like what we're putting out there. Um, here's the kicker though. And look, I, I'm not an expert either, but I can share with you my experience um, in terms of what I dealt with when it comes to interracial marriage and some of my friends and family that are interracial, uh, um, uh, relationships. Um, but you, you kind of lucking out a little bit. I got to say that, right? because, you know, you get to come on the platform and, and, and talk about this and, and ask me questions. And if I didn't have this podcast, I would be charging your ass. All right. Just to be clear. All right. You, <laughs> there would be a fee. All right. But guess what? We have the platform. That's what this is about. It's for us to be able to learn and share and hear other people's stories. So more importantly, I am uh ecstatic that you you know, are willing to come on. This is not an easy thing to do to come on and and talk and share your story to, you know, who knows, thousands, maybe millions of individuals who may hear this. Right. I know we're not a million uh, in terms of subscribers yet, but, you know, I'm, I'm being optimistic. Yeah. So yes. so so that is awesome. So you ready to have this conversation, my friend? I've been waiting for 15 plus years to have this conversation. <laughs> okay, let's talk about it. So when you say you've been waiting for 15 plus years to have a conversation, tell us, give us some background in terms
2: of what you mean specifically. So I've been married for 15 plus years. I uh, met my wife, obviously, before that. And honestly, race was never really something that was top of mind for me growing up. It just... I, I would have said, if you had asked me when I was a kid, how much does race impact your life? I would have said it doesn't impact it at all. Right. My perspective has changed dramatically. I realize now it impacts hundred percent of my life and it always has. And it always so hold does. on right there real quick. Right. So you, you just got finished mm-hmm.
0: saying, Hey, if you, I would have asked you 15 years ago and how does race impact your life? You would have said
2: it doesn't impact my life. Why would you have said that at that time frame? I think it's because I, I took for granted that it wasn't something that impacted me because I felt free to go almost anywhere I'd like to go. I felt like I could um, play in any arena that Mm -hmm. I wanted to play in. Um, Now I know the reason I felt that way is because of my race, right? So now I know that 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 was actually a privilege that I had. um, And it just didn't really occur to me until you become more Mm -hmm. sensitive to it and you become more sensitive to it by being exposed to more diversity. I mean, I grew up in a very homogenous rural area in New Jersey. So until you get exposed to those things and you start to realize and become more sensitive to it, you know, you don't recognize that race does impact you no matter who you are, no matter where you are. So, And, and you're a hundred percent correct. What changed
0: though, in terms of now, I see the world totally different than you did, you know,
2: prior to 15 years ago. I mean, I did start to see a little bit of a difference mm-hmm. when I went to college. Naturally, you get exposed to, to, to more people, to more environments, to more experiences. But I will say, I became extraordinarily sensitive to it when I met my, my wife. Right. Because you start to notice things that impact you on a, on a deeper level than would if you just see them out in the wild, so to speak. Things like walking into a store and noticing how the, 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 uh, the retail reps in the store don't talk to your wife or the way that they do talk to her, right? And then the way that, that I'm used to them talking to me or treating me. And when you see the disparity there and you get hypersensitive to it, um, it's it's it kind of disrupts your entire way of thinking. Your entire reality gets adjusted by that. I mean, we've had Incidents in stores, like I mentioned, we had an incident with, um, once my child was born, you have different, different uh, experiences. I think a big turning point for me was when I realized how much is this going to impact my child. So my, my wife took my daughter to uh, a daycare to just explore it, see if this would be a good fit for us. And as soon as she walked in, they told her that she couldn't afford it. They told her that this wasn't the right environment for her or the child. And... She came home upset, and she knew at this time, this is a racial issue. It was clearly racial, because she looked around the room, it was entirely white, you know, there was no diversity there. And you know, my, my inclination is, I'm driving right back to this place, and I'm going to raise hell. I'm going to go give him a piece of my mind. But my, daughter, my wife, her, her, her initial reaction was, just let it go. Don't, don't worry about it, just let it go. We'll just move on. And that's been the, the 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 course of action in almost every incident that I that I've experienced with her, whether it's in a store and somebody I I feel is not treating her right, or anytime I I I get a sense that something might be related to race, I want to you know stand at the top of the mountain and start screaming my lungs out. You know this isn't right. Um, her reaction is always, don't worry about it, just let it slide. It's not a big deal. Or I don't think this has anything to do with race. I don't think it does. Well, you see mind. it
0: differently. You, you definitely think it hasn't.
2: And I am, I am hypersensitive right. to it now. And I always have. And, and, and it's been exaggerated since I've had a child because that's where, you know, you of course, you know, you don't want your child to have to face these things. So my wife is from the Philippines. She was born and raised there. She came here after she completed high school.
0: And was this the first time you ever dated somebody outside of your race? Yes, seriously, okay. yes. You,
2: you hesitated a little bit, like yes. you, you, you. Well, I, I, I had, but it was really like you know a one, first date, kind of one date thing, and then you know. But this was the first okay. relationship. Okay, all right. And then you know, growing up in South Jersey, did you
0: ever see yourself being with somebody outside of your race at that time
2: frame? I don't know that I ever considered mm-hmm. it either way. It just it it just wasn't part of the thought process. To me, it, it when I met her, it really wasn't part of my thought process even when I met her. It really wasn't. like It just wasn't something I had considered that she is a different culture, a different race. It's just, she's a cool person I'd like to hang okay. out with. So it really wasn't an issue for me there. I think meeting her family, um, you know, I wanted to see how I'd be perceived as an outsider. Similar with my family, I, mean, I was curious to see how she'd be perceived. And both of our families were very welcoming. We're very thankful for that. And I think that's part of what made me so hypersensitive to when I'd see things externally, because if my family could 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 approve of her and love her, I don't understand why right, everybody else has right, a problem. Right. Well, let me ask
0: you this: Did um did you guys ever talk about race at all? before you got married, did you talk about the differences? Did you, you just said, Hey, I wanted to meet her parents and wonder if there was going to be an issue. And was there, I mean, did any of that come up? Did you guys talk about any differences, how the world you would have to deal with
2: the world? Did you, any of that stuff come up? I'll tell you the one time something came up, I met her stepfather. He was an African-American man from Alabama. So her mother had come here Uh, before Ruby had come here, her mother had been here and had gotten remarried. And so that added another dynamic. He was actually the one person who brought it up. What did he say? What's this white boy doing in my apartment? He said what? (laughs) What's this white boy doing in my apartment? (laughs) Was he joking? (laughs) He and I were great. Or was he um, really serious? (laughs) <laughs> it was hard to tell with him. It was hard to tell with him, but I think there was something okay. behind that. But it was interesting because he himself was in an yeah. interracial marriage, being African American, his wife was Filipina. But uh, you know that he—it took a while for okay. me to win him over. Uh, but uh, but in general, it was very accepting, and there really wasn't a, a, a tremendous strain or tension in the fact that we were coming from different races. Okay, so that's great.
0: There's yeah, everybody's you know singing
2: "Kumbaya." They're
0: all for it. Back to my question, though. Did you two, do you and Ruby ever, when you're a date, I mean, I would imagine before you got married, you went to a restaurant or you went to a store. So I would imagine, mm-hmm. and you tell us, did you see these type things back then before you even got married? Did you guys ever talk about, Absolutely. you know, how it is that she, the world that she deals with versus the world
2: that you deal with? I I tried many times, and this is what I right. wanted to talk to you about in part, because the conversation is extremely labored, right? We tried. When I would see something that she's not getting serviced in a in a store or, or you know, somebody would kind of push her out of the way in the subway station, right? Like when I'd see little things like that or, you know, I'd have to jump out and call the taxi, right? Like there are little things like that. Um, and I'd want to talk about it. But the response I would constantly get is... Don't worry about it. Don't make a big deal about it. Just move on. Like, let's just yeah you know, go 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 somewhere else. Let's do something else. There really wasn't the ability to talk about it. Like I, I mentioned in my, you know, when we were first talking about why I wanted to come on the podcast, I tried. I stumbled, you know, through it, and it was difficult. It's a hard conversation to have, and the problem is we can talk about anything. We can talk about finances. We can talk about our kid. We can talk about vacations. We're equal footing when we talk about all those things. This is the one area where we are not equal. The, the the way that she walks through the world is always going to be different than the way I walk through the world. And because I can, I see these things now and I'm hypersensitive to them, I can sympathize with her. I right. cannot empathize. And that's a big issue. And because of that, I struggle having those conversations.
0: So, you know, you, you beat me to the punch and you, but you answered the question I was going to ask you right away. Like, do you guys talk about other stuff? And you just said, Hey, we're partners in everything, but you know, finances, our, our child's education, vacation, just regular. How's your day? You guys talk about everything, but when it comes to race, it doesn't, she's just always very, you know, no big deal. Let's leave it alone. Um, so let me, let me ask you this. How about your daughter? Tell us to, tell us a little bit about the dynamic there. Does race come up based on her being biracial? Does, is it a different dynamic? Is, does that conversation come up? So with
2: her, it comes up often. And she's open to talk about it. So my daughter's interesting in that she can fit in almost anywhere. I've had people walk up to her and start speaking Spanish. I've had people walk up to her and start speaking Arabic. You know, she she can fit in. To, to almost any culture. She has this, the, you know, this deep olive complexion. She's got this, this really, like, I don't know how you would say it, but it's just like this face of, like, you know, everybody that's in every commercial now where you can't tell what race they are, right? That's the kind of face mm-hmm. she has, right? So for her, she is just as hypersensitive as I am, and she's willing to talk about it, and she's willing to make a big deal about it. Which is so interesting because she takes after her mother in so many ways, except mm. for this one way in that she will, you know, want, want to take the mantle and she'll stand up for people when she sees things. She'll want to talk about it. She'll, she'll want to call people out. Um, it's just a very different dynamic. And I don't know how much of that is because she can f- like walk between both worlds or is it a generational right. thing? You know, that's what but, I you wonder. Know, so have you,
0: you, so, Backing up a little bit, you said when you met her father, and first thing he said is, "Who's this white dude? Why he in my house?" All right. So for him to say that, I would imagine race came up at some point in their relationship. um, Just for him to say that, right? He's her father. He's black. His her mother. You know, our mother is Filipino. I would uh, I would imagine that came up. So. I mean, have you chatted with her parents in terms of this issue and that she won't speak on it? And because what I'm thinking, is there an issue that happened when she was a kid that, you know, could been traumatic and and she just don't want to talk about it? And so when this comes up, she's just like, I don't even want to deal with it. So I'm just trying to I'm just I'm probing here. Any conversation with the family on any history or anything like that?
2: So I never really got in depth with her her stepfather on it. He was very standoffish and stuff, and he didn't even meet her until like Gotcha. So, he, I, yeah, I, I he like, so yeah, yeah, he don't know. <laughs> yeah. But her mother I've had conversations with and she interestingly, she was a school teacher in Manhattan for about thirty years. Um and so she dealt with the dynamics of, you know, a very diverse classroom and had a lot of those conversations over time. Uh, she had actually even been called in front of the Board of Education for a student claiming that she was a racist at one time. And so she brought me, her son-in-law, she brought her, her husband, who happened to be African-American, and we went and sat with her. And they were like, who's this? And she's like, that's my family. Right. So I've had some conversations with her about it. Um, and... She's very much in that similar vein of, I, you know, I'll talk to you about it, but she's not going to really give me what she really feels or what she really believes or, or the depth of, of, of what her experience is, because it's very much a, um, we just deal with it. So it's not a big deal. And to me, it is a big deal. And I, I, this is why I wanted to talk to you, too, because I know that you you you're in an interracial marriage as well. And I'm curious. I'm so curious if your wife brings stuff up the way I bring stuff up with my wife, does she bring stuff up? And how do you react to it? Yeah. I, you know, so <laughs> that's a good one. Right. So.
0: So I answer your question specifically. Yes. Was it that way in the beginning? No. Okay. So so and the reason I'm I'm asking the questions, I can I can relate to your wife a little bit. I think a lot of people who are listening to uh uh this 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 episode who are people of color, um they can relate a little bit in terms of, you know, the um not just let it go. Right, just let it go. You know what? Forget about it. And be But well, that you know, here's a kicker. Well, there's a lot. You know, I don't know if we got enough time. Double A, is this an hour episode? Or we is this a twenty four seven? You know what I'm saying? Is this uh, you know what I'm saying? This is one of those binge series and stuff to that nature. Right?
1: We'll see what people's attention span is <laughs> nowadays. Because
0: that can take a long time, right? I, so there's a lot, right? There, there, there's historical issues. There's self esteem issues. There's, uh, there's there 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 are, you know, cultural issues, there's, there's a lot to it, right? I, for me, I, I I can speak specifically for me. For me, it was a self-esteem issue, okay? And so when things like that happened to me, I didn't say a whole lot. I didn't like, now, you kidding me? I I, you know, don't even try it, right? But yeah, there was times when I was a kid, it was called every, and this wasn't, and this be clear, this wasn't by white kids. This was by black kids. I was called every, you know, black name under the sun um, because of colorism. Okay. Because colorism in terms of, you know, groups, every group, I don't care if you're Hispanic, you're, 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 you're Cuban, you're, you're African-American, you're Italian, uh, darker people are, 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 are done and lighter people are better. They're smarter, They're, so that 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 is for real, right? And I dealt with that. And then more importantly, you know, my I had a different father than my my um my siblings. I was the oldest. My father I was dark skinned and my my sister, my brother, and my two sisters were light skin. Okay, and so even with them, when I get in fights with them, I remember one time my sister called me a black blah blah blah. And my mother heard it, and she went off on her and Don't you ever do that. So 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 just when you hear that. And you're a young kid. For me, it was a self-esteem issue. Okay. And then as I got older, I was just, I hate to say it, just trying to stay out of the way. (laughs) I mean, I didn't, because, you know, if somebody did something or whatever, I didn't even want to deal with the confrontation. Where does that go? How am I, by me being uh, 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 combative, you know, how does that make that situation better? I should have been. But at that time frame, I wasn't trying to make no waves. All right. So so there's a lot to it in terms of, you know, why people just say, let it go. Why people um, don't really push back. And and there's things I'm not even thinking about. I remember when, you know, I go to Martha's Vineyard every year, right, for vacation. And we had brought my my uh, my wife's sister and her husband. They came and stayed a week with us. And we were walking around, and then my nephew, um, who who uh, my my sister's son, he came. I, we we flew him up, and he's like six five, um, and he and he was like eighteen at the time, last year in high school, and he's tall black guy, right? And then uh, he was holding hand to hand with my 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 wife's um, my nephew from my wife's side, who's Lily White. Right. And we're walking down Martha's, we're in Egertown. I think it was. We're walking around and we're having a good time and I'm just minding my business. And then later that day, her husband said to me, he was, I, no, it wasn't even later that day. I think it was, it was that around, not, I think it was around the same time frame." He was like, I don't get it. How do you take what these people are looking at you the way, you know, he said something like, how do you, and and I didn't even, he, because he was like where you are. He was like, I couldn't take this. Look how they looking at you. How do you take it? And I was just like, what are you talking about? Because I was at a point where I don't even pay attention to that no longer. It's so prevalent. It's been so part of who I am. Everywhere I've been at, and especially since, you know, I married my wife, or we started dating, you you just become, uh, what's the word I want to use? Um, I'm not even sensitive. It just becomes like a callous. You don't even think about it. Because if I had to think about that all the time, Brian, I could not be who I am. I couldn't prosper. Because I would always think everything is, they're doing this to me because I'm black. They're they're and nobody wants to be in that. Your wife doesn't want to be in that. Nobody. That's an area. And I know I got friends of mine, people I know who are talented, who could be anything. But because that is their mindset, they don't go far. Because now every, the leaf blew down my street because I was black. <laughs> All right. So, so, and again, I'm, 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 I'm embellishing a little bit. But what I'm saying is that has a lot to do with it. Right. And, and so back to your question. Um, when, when me and my wife, who I met when I worked up in Boston, we worked at the same company. Okay. And she was our marketing person. I was a sales account executive selling television advertising. Um, and it was, it wasn't love at first sight. We just, we started working together and then we, you know, started all as an office, we all hung out and we went drinking and, you know, then her and I started chatting and the next thing you know, we went to the movies and, you know, then it became, you know, we started, you know, taking it seriously. Um, And so I'll be honest with you. So for me, I was like, because my this is my second marriage, my first marriage, I was married to a black lady. All right. Loved her to death. We loved her. Just didn't work out. Right. So did I ever say that I would marry um, somebody outside of my race? No, but I wasn't opposed to it. My mother always was, you know, she always, you know, taught us about, you know, Whoever loves you, whoever all I care about is they take care of you. I don't care what color they are, I don't care where they come from. As long as they love you for you and they take care of you, that's all that matters, right? So that was always our mindset. However, so, but when me and my my wife got together, you know, and she grew up in a small town outside of Boston, I'm from Detroit, Michigan, you know, I was like, wow, this is great, you know, and I was I was thinking Oh, she must know what black people go through. <laughs> okay, because she's willing to 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 date a black guy, right? No, she ain't had no clue. Okay, she had no clue, right? But that was me being naive. That was me being like, oh, this must be, right? And so, you know, we had our own issues in the beginning, right? She noticed a few things when we first started dating, going to restaurants and stuff of that nature. She would see my face change when I'm waiting for the waiter. and I, You know, I'm, like I said, when I was a kid and I was younger, I really didn't push back or say anything. And then finally a button went off and I was like, no, I'm not doing that no longer. So, you know, I, I hold people accountable. I call things out as I see them um, when it comes to disrespecting me in my face. If I'm walking down the street and people are looking at me funny, I don't care about that. That's your problem, right? But when I go to the store or I'm in a restaurant or, you know, people just like just shoo-shoo me away or don't give me the respect that I deserve as a human being, then I'm going to call them out, right? So, so, but in the beginning she saw a couple of things. Um, but the big thing happened is when we had kids. And then she saw how our kids – the world they had to navigate, how the school system—you know—same things that you were talking about with your um, your daughter, right? And then so my wife became more sensitive. She it wasn't that she wasn't sensitive. She was sensitive to overt racism, like the disrespect stuff in restaurants. But she wasn't, you know, uh, um, sensitive to all the issues and all the microaggressions and all the misnomers and stereotypes and all that type stuff. She just wasn't. So so that was stuff. And to be honest, if we sit down and have a conversation and I say, well, look, you know, you can't do this, you, you know, or this is no, I re- I can give you a million examples. I remember I don't know what case this was. I can't remember what it was, but it was a police brutality case. Um, the police said they did this and the black dude or it was a woman. I can't remember exactly what it was. And they said, no, that didn't happen. Okay. And then my wife, I mean, we were watching the news and she was like, why would the police make something up? <laughs> okay. That because, <laughs> because of my mind, she's like, where she grew up, the police, they're your friend, <laughs> right? They, they're, they're, they're there to protect you. Right. Where I grew up, that ain't the case, all right, and so so right then, this is my point here. she was like, "Why would the police lie?" And I'm like, "Because." They lie because here's a, a person of color and they treated this person anyway and they know that this person who's telling them who's who's basically uh making the accusation, a lot of people won't believe that person because they are the police. Right. But I and I had a million experiences with this, so is a lot of people of color who's listening to this, friends and stuff of that nature. But this is my point. So there was still, even though we fell in love, even though we had kids, even all that, there still was which uh, was what what unconscious and conscious issues um, because of where she grew up, what she saw, her experiences, and what I grew, where I grew up and what I saw in my experiences. And to be fair, going back to your situation with your wife, I didn't sit her down and say, let me tell you everything that's going on. I, I didn't even want to talk about it. I didn't. Why?
2: And that's yeah. what I struggle with. I want right? you know, to talk about, right? about, about it, right? Because it's just one extra. You, you, know, you use the word Go that ahead, I, love. Buddy. You, I I think that I'm sorry to interrupt, but you know, you use the word callus that you've developed this over time. So when you're a newborn baby and your skin is super fresh, right? And you're hypersensitive to everything. Well, that's what I feel like I was like when I first got together with my wife. I don't have the callus, And you, I know, your wife didn't have the callus either, Right. So when these things happen, we are not equipped in any way to to, to process it in in the right ways or the wrong ways. I don't know. But we're not equipped to process it in any way, right? So what happens is I I get hypersensitive. I want to talk about it. And I want to do something and take some sort of action, right? And there's this imbalance because my wife has the callus and wants to just, you know, let it slide or move past it because she doesn't want to focus on it. I don't know how to get to that point where we are on the same page and how to manage these things. And it's a particular concern, as you mentioned, once you have a child, once there are children in the mix, because do you want to let these things slide? What kind of example is that setting for my kid? Right. My kid wants to talk about it, but my wife tells her, don't worry about it. And I'm like, no, no, what happened? We got we to fix this. Who can I talk to? Who do, who do I got to go smack on the butt, right? Like, so we're coming at it from a very different way. I feel like after 15 years, I'm starting to learn how to process it. I'm starting to, I wouldn't call them calluses, but my skin's getting a little bit tougher. But... I still don't know the right way to address these situations, right? If we are in a store and my wife is waiting to be helped and three other people who've come in after her are getting helped before her, what's my role, right? What I mean, what, what would you expect of an ally in that situation? Should they come forward and say, hey, why aren't you helping my wife? And bringing up that maybe it's racial or is it just yeah, I, I don't know the right thing to do here because if my daughter's there, do I want to make it a different conversation or I just want to, you know, wait patiently right, for her to be right. served? So, right? so,
0: so again, double A, is this a binge series? Uh, because that's, I, I can go a million ways. <laughs> <laughs> I can go a million ways with your question, right? Um, but double A's nod and say no, it's not a binge series. So we got to stay on point. Okay. So, so here's, here's the thing, right? Number one. So let's be clear here. And I'm going to be clear and I know you love your wife and I'm going to use me in this example. And I said earlier, I didn't say a lot. That was a mistake. Nothing changes unless you hold people accountable. Okay. You have to speak out on it. That doesn't mean you got to bring a club back and like, or, you know, but you have to speak on it. You have to, okay. You, you, you have to do that. Right. So, and let me give you an example, give you, a, and again, I, I just told you earlier, I just let it go because it was more of a self-esteem issue. Okay. But then once I got past that, I, I, you know, when I moved out here to Connecticut, um, I used to drive to Detroit uh, from Connecticut all the time, visit family. It was, I was doing business out there. So it was just a regular thing. I was driving. and I would, you know, a certain way I go, 84, 80, I go through Pennsylvania. So I remember this one time I was going through Pennsylvania. I had to pull over and get some gas small town in pennsylvania i don't remember and as i pulled up and this was back in the 90s uh early 90s where you had to go inside to pay for the gas okay so i remember uh i pulled up and as i pulled up this white guy on this harley motorcycle he pulled up the same time okay and big dude i mean and he had the um what was was What's the Hell's Angels, right? He had the Hell's Angels uh, jacket on, you know, tats, whole nine yards. I'm like, look at this dude, right? So I'm like, automatically, I'm on, my spidey senses are going off, right? So I was, I was like, look, let me get the gas and get a of here, right? So I walk in. He walked in right behind me in the store. We get to the counter. There's a lady right in front of me. I'm right behind the lady. And then this big dude is right behind me, okay? The lady gets whatever she wants. She leaves. I step up to the counter. The dude looks around. Look, I'm I'm, I'm getting away from the mic so because I'm getting hyped. Let me stay in the mic because you're not going to hear me because I still get mad at this. Right? The dude looks around me and says to the big motorcycle dude, "Can I help you?" And the motorcycle dude's this. I mean, this dude was like six five, two hundred. He he started to take a step up. And say yeah, and I was like, hold on. I, I mean, immediately I was like, hold on, man. I looked at this dude. I was like, I was next. And the dude was like, oh, I didn't see you. I was like, what do you mean you didn't see me? I was standing right here. There's only three of us in the store. I you can see I, I, buddy. I was so mad, right? And then I looked at this dude for. He was like trying to back up a little bit. And then I looked at him for like thirty min thirty seconds. I was furious, right? So I said. He said, what do you want? And I was like, fill it up on whatever number it was, right? Then immediately after I started calming down, I forgot this big dude, this big Harley motorcycle dude was behind me. I was like, oh, man, now this is going to be. So I turned around. And I said, sorry about that, man. You know what he said? He said, no, man, you were right. Okay, so you got to call it out. <laughs> you have to call it out, right? He didn't see me. You're kidding me here. Okay, so so so, but I had to get up to that level of being able to hold people accountable. Same thing with my wife. Okay, my wife now is you know it's funny because in the beginning she had no clue. You know uh, there was some difficulties. Just be clear here because she grew up. Different, and it's not her fault She grew up in a, a way Her experience was just different than mine Okay And it was naive for me to think Oh she likes me So she'll be okay with all the black experience No Because what she heard And what she saw And her friends and family And what they said Or didn't say about black people Or people of color You know it, it just didn't fit that narrative However Now She's the white Angela Davis Okay <laughs> And I I, I I mean that I'm not even Flat out my wife is she's like you, Brian. She is very sensitive. She sees everything. Right. I'll tell you another quick story. And this is Martha Venya thing. Okay. We this was back our daughters were we went we go to Martha's Venya every year. So this was our daughters were maybe three or four. And typically when the the the, the ferry we take the ferry home, it, it stops off in Woods Hole, and then you drive and there used to be this I hop. Um, you know. And we were like, we, on, we, on, we call it six o'clock in the morning, ferry, we're like, we'll just get breakfast at IHOP. So we drive to IHOP, it's on the way home, right? We get there, place is packed. We put our names in, it took a while. They look, uh, we finally get in, we sit at a table, right? We're hungry, the kids are hungry and they just don't come by to ask us for anything. How can we help you? Hey, just so you know, it's really crowded, we'll be with you shortly nothing all right they just kept walking past us serving everybody else my wife and and again she sees it she sees it right and i'm getting mad and to be honest i'm trying to stay calm because i know me but she's getting becoming furious right and then all of a sudden She, uh, the waitress was walking past us and she grabbed the waitress' arm and said, Are you gonna effing come and serve us? What's the issue? And the waitress was like, you know, trying to play off. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then the waitress went into the kitchen. My wife followed her in the kitchen. (laughs) <laughs> and then start saying, where's the manager at? I want her fired. All, I mean, everybody in the whole IHOP is looking, and, and, and she's like, I want her fired. I want her fired. So I'm trying to calm her down. I'm like, Gail, Gail, calm down. She's like, look, don't take up for them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and I'm like, I'm not taking up for them. I'm just trying to calm you down, right? Hold them. See, when you see it, when you see it, and you're not used to that, you become furious, and this is what
2: people of color deal with all the time. So now, here's here's my my thoughts on that because I've had this same experience, and I I don't get I didn't go into the <laughs> kitchen, but similarly in a in a restaurant, you know, we we got served, but then they never came to check on us. You know, we're eating spicy food; they wouldn't give us water. Like it was one of those things where I was like, "What's going on here?" Like I'm dying. But, uh, you know, finally, I just grabbed somebody and I was like, where can I go to get my own water for, for me and my family? Right. Like, I'll go get it since you're obviously too busy for us. Right. And I clearly expressed that I thought this was like, you know, a racial thing. Now, my wife was furious with me for doing that. Right. For calling attention to it. Now, so my perspective is I'm standing up and trying to do the right thing. And her perspective is that I somehow called more attention to her and my daughter, unwanted attention because of the situation. So in my, in my view, I thought I was doing the right thing by standing up for her. But in her perspective, I was in some way, I don't know if this is the right word, but like diminishing her mm. in a way, right? Because I was calling attention to this inequity. And making a bigger deal out of it than my wife yeah. wanted me to make. So in that situation, I mean, your wife's going into the kitchen and demanding someone be fired, like she's doing that with all the right intentions, as I would and I have. But what is your experience in that situation when your spouse, and like me for my my wife, when we're going and and trying to you know, right or wrong, and with all the right intentions but we may be doing it in a way that's insensitive to your experience. And I don't, that's where I struggle. Like, I don't know, like, how am I, how am I supposed to navigate this without diminishing her, without calling attention to her in a negative way, but resolving the issue and hopefully making some progress so that there's a lesson learned. Yeah. I mean, so look, my
0: friend, and and again, I can't speak for your wife, right? I don't know if there's something that happened you know, when she was a kid and this is just a, a, a you know, a, a PS demo. I don't know, right? There's something there, right? So, and and if she doesn't communicate that with to you, it's hard for you to your point to be able to, to know the right thing to do. But I, here's the kicker. This is what I think. And I, I wrote this down when you were asking this question. I think you have to do you and you got to let her be her. You can't make somebody who doesn't want to deal with something deal with it. And and who knows, maybe it's an uncomfortableness Maybe to your point, maybe she sees it as a a diminishing her as a human being to bring it up because, you know, she wants to walk her head with dignity and no matter what somebody does, that's not going to stop her from, you know, seeing herself as being, you know, a a full human being with all the respect. So, and it could be that, I I don't know. Right. However, I think as you being her husband, you you know, you ever read the book, um, the five love languages buddy no, you should pick that up it's a good book yeah sounds yeah, like I, I
1: should
0: <laughs> right and um you know and, and just to give you an example of the book maybe somebody in the audience read it uh, I would recommend that every couple read it I rec I'll be honest with you I would recommend that uh even if you're not in a relationship you read it okay because every human being has a different love language Okay, everyone And nine times out of 10, we struggle is because we don't understand their love language and they don't understand our love language. Right. And in the book, there's this five love languages. And just to give you an example, you know, this couple goes to therapy and, um, you know, the, the therapist says, what's the issue? And the wife says, he don't love me. And my man was like, that's a lie. I tell her I love her all the time. Right. I mean, from from a, a a bird's eye view, you'd be like, well, the dude's telling me he loves her. So maybe she she ain't listening or whatever case may be. No, that wasn't the case. Her love language is not by affirmations. Her love language is by what he does for her. He can tell her all day long he love her. But he ain't taking the garbage out. (laughs) Okay. He not doing this. He not, that's her love. That language by him doing stuff like that says he loves me. Okay. And then some other people, you know, are, you know, affirmation. The dude never says, oh, she don't never say she loved me. How do I know she loved me? Well, I cook for you, I do this. That ain't my love language. I want to hear you love me, right? I mean, so so that's to be honest, nine times out of ten, those are big issues that we don't even know. Because we don't understand each other's love language. Like I'm a physical touch person. Anybody know me? I'm a touchy, huggy person. Okay? Flat out. <laughs> okay? You ain't hugging me. You ain't, you don't love me. Okay? That's just how I am. Right? My wife is time. Okay? Spending time. Okay? That's how I show that I love her, by spending time. So everybody's got different languages. Okay? So I would recommend you pick that up. Because I would be just in general. Okay. However, back to the point. At the end of the day, you can't make somebody want to chat about something, um, and they don't want to. I always believe there's a root issue to everything. Always, all in every circumstance, there's a root issue. Also, I would add,
1: it's a cultural thing too. You know, yeah, like thank you, buddy. Even, even though people of color, you know, we're all different cultures. And to my knowledge, you know, have uh, Asian friends and stuff. They're very, very reserved uh, culturally generally speaking. Uh, would you would you agree, right? So like, you know, you know, the, the, the I would I would say the, you know, the African American experience or, you know, the black experience here, even the Latino experience, Latinx experience you know, we're fi- we've been fighting here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we, you know, we, up.
0: Put we, your hands we, we scrap, <laughs>
1: right? you know, right. we're generally scrappers, right? Like, you know, civil rights, you know, we, we have these examples of just people just I'm just not going to take it anymore, you know? Right. And then there's a lot of that in our culture, in American culture. So I, I would say there's something, there's something, I, you know, maybe there's something to that. And you know, it's just, I'm not a psychologist, but that's just my two cents.
0: And, and, and so, Double A, thanks for that. And that's an excellent point. And that's where I was talking about a little bit about, you know, at the end of the day, she may feel like this is beneath her, okay? And you know what? That's fine. But she has her husband who's her protector, all right? She has her husband who's making sure that she's not disrespected when he's around. She has her husband that's going to speak on their behalf as a family, as well as his daughter. That is awesome. And if you were telling the, 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 key is, I mean, there's a lot of couples where somebody ain't saying, you know, not even speaking up and, and, and their wife or husband is being disrespected and they say nothing. Right. So, so it's, it's a tough thing, man. So back to double A's point, you know, the, it could be cultural. It's really, what is the, there's a root issue. Right. And let's just say if it was cultural, let's, let's go by what double A says, let's say it's a cultural issue. How would you, how would you deal with that? How would, would things change from your standpoint?
2: I don't know that they would. I think that I still am going to, because the way that I react to these things. I haven't developed that callous yet, right? I'm still hypersensitive to it. And because of my daughter, I'm also hypersensitive. And it's really difficult for me to to watch and, and see these things and react in the way that may be more appropriate for her culturally, for example, if she mm-hmm. is more reserved, which she is. I, I admit that her culture, they're very reserved. They're not ones to 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 cause a stir and and push back um in the face of inequity at any great length. They will behind closed doors, but not in the moment, right? Um, So I don't know that it would change dramatically the way that I would act in a situation or the way that I would um, want to address it with her either, because I haven't processed, or I haven't had enough time to process the world that she walks through. And I don't know that I ever will. Because I, I'm i white, you know, and it's not something I'm going to be able to, to again, empathize with. Well,
0: experiencing those can things. I? So I just want to push back a little bit on what you just got finished saying, right? I, I think you can empathize, right? I, I really do. Because you see it. You see the world that she deals with, your daughter deals with, and it's a different world than than you've dealt with. So you can, in other words, I'm not saying that you're going to know everything. Of course not. So I hear your point, but that's part of the change. That's part of people learning is to be able to empathize, is to be able to put themselves in the other person's uh, shoes or see their own uh, their point of view. And like, wow, I never understood that. Wow, now I got a better understanding. So I think the empathy is there. Go ahead, double
1: A. Yeah, I had a buddy of mine who. He's from, he's from Connecticut, from, uh, you know, from Darien, and he lived in Hawaii, you know, you know white, affluent young man, um, and, you know, lived out there, was living his, you know, living the dream, you know, was out there with his brother, renting a house, and he told me stories of how, you know, he was discriminated against, you know, by the locals, because he was white, you know, he, his house got robbed several times because he was white. You know, and they, they told him that was the reason. <laughs> so you know, he he ended up realizing. You know that he he learned it that way. I mean, it wasn't fun, <laughs> but that's how he got empathy. You know, he told me he's like, "Wow, you know, I experienced it personally. You know, as a, as a white person, like I was discriminated against because it happens, right? You know, so sometimes until it happens to you, you know what I mean, or or you really see, you know, like I think, you know, until it happens to you, you you won't really, you know." Nobody really has that ability to always have you know get into other people's you know shoes and feel that empathy. It's not it's not an easy thing to do. You know?
0: And speaking and, and even taking it to the next level, this is where we as a as a uh, as human beings, this is where we struggle. Is because when and again, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll use me as an example, right? Let's say I met my wife and let's say I wasn't, there wasn't a self-esteem issues or I didn't, you know, I was more, you know, proactive and said, you know, these things happen and these always watch when we go to this restaurant, watch and see what happens. (laughs) Watch, 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 watch. Oh, you know what? This happened because of this, this and that. Well, guess what? Because she hasn't experienced that, there is no empathy. So she's, they could be looking back saying, he's making excuses, <laughs> okay, because this stuff ain't happening, you know, and that's what, that's real. People they're today, like, oh, they're always complaining, or they're always, that ain't true, or this, it's, no, it's not a cultural issue when it comes to people of color in the police department, Is a few bad apples, right? So at the end of the day, there is, you can't have empathy like that because you haven't experienced it, right? So now people just making it up. Or they trying to get a buck or, you know, and that's unfortunately, that's a narrative that people push out to say this stuff is all people crying. Okay. And so you do have empathy, my friend, because you're taking up for your family. You see it. Right. And you're like, I can't believe this. And it's nothing wrong with being hypersensitive to it. Uh, And to be fair. If more people. Were hypersensitive to this. This podcast wouldn't even exist, right? There'll be more uh, 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 people of color in, uh, in in C-suite positions. There'll be anything you can name. It would be better because people were sensitive to it because they experienced it and they have seen it for themselves. What's your
2: thoughts on that? I mean, I I agree. I. I... I think I'm struggling with the word empathy. Tell still. us tell us why. I still think I I still feel like because I haven't experienced what WA was saying about his friend going to watch, I haven't had that level of of discriminatory action against me. Um so I still struggle with 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 really believing that I can empathize. I still think I'm more on that that sympathize. I'm on that I will say I am on the the far end of the spectrum now in terms of mm-hmm. awareness. Which is, I think that's big for me because growing up, that just it just wasn't an issue that I that I that was ever talked about. I mean, my family was very open to everybody, and you know, we we you know, my, my parents have always been very open minded, and we were you know taught that everybody's equal. But when you grow up in a homogenous neighborhood, you don't really see the reasons why that's so important to believe those things. Um, so I still struggle with that that I haven't really felt. A thousand paper cuts that you may have gone through that my wife may have gone through right like i just i've i've, I've seen a few bee stings here and there right and that's enough to get me riled up but the, the the thousand paper cuts over time that you develop the calluses like that's where i struggle with with believing that i could truly empathize. yeah I, so
0: look we may just have a different um definition of the empathy because you will never to be honest my mm-hmm. friend You'll never get the million cuts, okay? It just ain't gonna happen, right? right. So I, I I think, and and you, and you consider your wife, you and her as one, right? When your
2: wife hurts, when your in wife hurts, aspect, do you hurt? So there you go. Absolutely, and I think in this instance, what I what I believe is that many times I feel like I'm hurting more than she is, and and, and, and I don't know. And, and that look, that's true. I can't
0: say it is, I can't say it's not, but maybe. Maybe that could be. and But that's part of the empathy part. You are hurting. You are. Those experiences do hurt you because they're hurting your wife. They're hurting your daughter. Right? So, but I, I hear your point. If you're, look, at the end of the day, you're not, it's just, unless, to, like Double H just gave an example, unless you move somewhere and you're the minority, and you're getting stomped on and 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 and, and talked about and 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 disparage over and over again. Then absolutely,
1: absolutely. Because ultimately, you know, the empathy has to come from you know acknowledging that hey, this is fundamentally wrong.
0: Exactly, it's real. <laughs> Number one, it's real. <laughs> All right, and like you said, it's fundamental. So that and you see that right now, and you've seen it. Let's be fair. I'm, I'm backing up because you said fifteen years. OK, since you guys been together. Right. And you've been taken up for her in these situations for 15 years. OK, I mean, buddy, I, I, you know, it may not be the same cuts that I go through, but those are cuts because if your wife was white, you wouldn't been dealing with those cuts. OK, so so I think you definitely empathize. And I think I just think, my friend, number one, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing this story. I think, not, I take it back, I know there's a ton of people who, black, white, uh, Native American, Indian, uh, Hispanic, uh, Russian, Jewish, that are in interracial, interracial relationships and they still struggle. They, they have a united front, but they don't communicate together. Not Some of them do. Right. Some of them. I'm not gonna say everybody. But for me and my wife, it was a struggle until until we were able to get past that. I I didn't want to have that conversation because I got to now educate. I got to have this conversation with you. Why? I got to go out in the world and have the conversation, too. You know, I want to come home and just chill. And, you know, and, you know, we arguing about the grocery money. OK. And I got to talk about this. Right. I don't want to deal with that. Right. But at some point it has to and look, I put it this way. I think as a as a you said earlier that you guys talk about everything finances everything which is great. I think you got to talk about this too, and you got to and, and 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 to double A's point, it could be cultural issues, whatever. But I think a good healthy partner, um, they would talk about these things, the differences, what this person sees and what the other person doesn't see, right? And it's not about well you don't get it or anything. It's just more of like you said awareness, right? And eventually, eventually, you know, the other partner, I'm just being honest, I and maybe I'm being naive, but I think eventually the other partner will, will see, especially when you have kids, man. When you have kids, it changes the whole dynamic. Changes the whole dynamic, right? And so now, does me and my wife talk about race all the time? No, right? She talked. To be honest, she talks about it more than I do. It's like you, right? We go, you know. I, you know, they they chose her because of you know, blah blah blah. I just listen, <laughs> okay. I, and I'm not disagreeing with her, but I just listen because you know she she now is running with the mantle. <laughs> so it's all. But when when your when your spouses can be on the same page when it comes to something like this. It makes life a lot better. And listen, I've chatted with friends of mine who are now going through some hard times from a you know um, divorce. Um, because of the issue that you brought up, Ryan, is that one is uh, African American, one is Hispanic, and uh, one person sees this and the other person doesn't see it, and they don't want the the the, uh, the the husband don't want to talk about it, it, it and, and nothing nothing can get solved that way, right? So I think it's very important that at least you try. That's what you've been trying to do, and but net net, you got to do you. And you got
2: to let your wife your
0: partner be them
2: that's fair and i i, I just want to thank you for having me on because i do think this was actually informative and actually i i will use the term therapeutic for me <laughs> because i do think this i've been waiting for 15 years to have this conversation actually longer than 15 years i've known my wife for about 18 years so i've been waiting for for that long to have a good honest conversation about this so i i absolutely appreciate you and i just thank you for having me on. To have Buddy, this conversation. if I'd have
0: known that, we could have started the Black Executive Perspective 15 years ago. I would have been, matter of fact, by now, we would have been, yeah. you know, the way and I would be, you know, we'd be talking. We would have be, invented podcasts. I mean, flat out, right? But all <laughs> jokes aside, my man, uh, love you a lot. I more important, look, this is not easy to do, especially come on a podcast and talk about something. And so I really appreciate you sharing. We want to have you back, uh, talk about some other topics. Um, but final thoughts that you have, you want to share with the audience, my friend?
2: Well, um, I think a couple of things, number one, in taking your advice, you know, it doesn't mean we have to talk about it all the time, but as, as part of this, this husband and wife team, when my wife's ready, when she's able, when she's willing, I'm going to be there for her to talk about it, in any way, shape, or form. I think that's critical, important, and and to to be the listener, not necessarily to like try and you know solve everything, but just be there to listen, uh, to get a better understanding. Because I do think you're right. I probably do empathize a little more than I than I realize, but I want to be there more completely. Um, The other thing I I, I think that's really important to me is this is going to sound like a weird analogy maybe, but there's a reason that TVs aren't black and white anymore, right? There's a reason that we evolved to see things in color, right? Movies aren't colored because they're better. They're better. And I think just recognizing that there is a world out there that's not just black and white and that everyone has that different experience and the different view and, and being hypersensitive to it while it can be painful at times, honestly, it's just made me a better person. It's definitely made me a better husband and, and I hope a much better father. As well.
0: That is awesome. My friend, that is great. That's great stuff that you share in here. Um, how can a black executive perspective help you, Bri?
2: Well, uh shameless self plug, um, I can be found at bstern.esourcecoach.com. Um, I love talking to people about where they are in their careers and how I might be able to help them if they're looking to make a change. Um, I love talking to people from all shapes, forms, careers, any 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 perspective that they come from. Because it's all about an education for me as well. Well,
0: that's awesome. So, So if you guys are looking to change careers... You want to do something different? Reach out to my man, Brian Stern at the email, excuse me, at the website he just announced. Thank you for sharing this story. I is, 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 is really, uh, you know, something that really touched my heart. And I'm pretty sure you're going to, you're going to touch a lot of other people's heart as well. I hope you enjoy uh, today's episode on a Black Executive Perspective podcast. Interracial marriage, the conscious and unconscious ways we relate to each other and the world around us. So you heard from Brian Stern. He's been with his wife for 15 years, Uh, grew up uh, homogenous area. All of a sudden now he's in an interracial relationship, very uh, hypersensitive. See how things are being how his wife is being disrespected, treated just in her daily walk. And, you know, love, it takes up for her, but also at the same time, she doesn't want to communicate about it. And then obviously, you know, they're not the only ones that do that. So a couple of quick little thoughts I have. Um, you know, look, at the end of the day, we all grow at different time frames. We don't know what um somebody else goes through, why they do, why they don't do. So nine times out of ten, if a person doesn't want to talk about something, Uh, You got to let them just be themselves, right? And it doesn't stop you from doing the things that you feel is the right thing to do for your family. Um, Seeds, all seeds grow at different times. And um, a lot of times we're planting seeds. And if they're in fertile ground, at some point they'll grow. So we got to recognize that. Number two, it is important if you can for interracial couples to talk about you know, their racial differences when they're together. Yes, you guys came together. The whole world was against you. It's you versus the world. You're going to have kids. You show that, you know, we could be together. But there are differences. There are issues. Not everybody's educated on the same things that, you know, like I said, my wife wasn't educated on everything that I've been through. Um, So it's important at some point that you guys, people can sit down and have these conversations. And then net, net, push come to shove. You take care of your family. And the one thing, the only way we're going to change things is we have to hold people accountable. We can't brush stuff under the rug like I've did for years and other people do and just let it go. No, you have to hold them accountable. You have to call it out, right? You don't have to beat nobody up. You don't have to attack anybody, but you have to call it out, okay? Because the more you call it out, the more things will change. So that's a, a very, very important thing to do. So you know what time it is? It's time for Tony's Tidbit. It's time for Tony's Tidbit. All right. So based on what we talked about today with Brian, today's tidbit is by David Muir. And it goes, a great marriage is not when a perfect couple comes together. It's when an imperfect couple learns to enjoy their differences. Okay. And that's what we spoke to Brian today about as well. So again, I hope you enjoyed. I'm glad you tuned in to this episode of a Black Executive Perspective podcast. Please come to our website at ablakexecutiveperspective.com, sign up for updates. You can follow a Black Executive Perspective podcast on wherever you get your podcasts, and also follow us on our social channels on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, LinkedIn at Tony Tidbit, B E P. For my guest, Brian Stern. My executive producer, Double A, I'm Tony Tidbit. We talked about it, I love you a lot, and we're out.
2: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Tony Tidbit, a black executive perspective, and for joining in today's conversation. With every story we share,
1: every conversation we foster, and every barrier we address, we can ignite the sparks that bring about lasting change, And this carries us one
2: step closer to transforming the face of corporate America. If today's episode resonated with you, consider subscribing and leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Share this episode with your circle. And with your support, we can reach more people and tell more stories.